0: We see yeah, in Barcelona, in Valencia, in Spain, in, in, in Madrid, sorry, a lot of uh, neighbourhoods that used to have a lot of life, now they are just uh, full of uh, Airbnbs and apartments and it's impossible to live in them. And at the end they will die because they will not produce new culture, they live just of the culture of the past. Hello and welcome to The Low Season, a podcast about
1: tour guides navigating a pandemic. My name is Wouter Bernhardt, a tour guide in Berlin. And like my guest, I'm very interested in the effects that our industry has and has had on
0: our beloved city. And uh, we are exploiting the place instead of living in the place or uh, evolving the place, no? We're exploiting it until it disappears.
1: Some very harsh words on the effects of gentrification and mass tourism by our guest Marc Soler. A tour guide in Berlin since three years, Marc is originally from Valencia. So we inevitably talk about the heavy quarantine
0: regulations enforced in Spain. As a Berliner, I, I, don't, I don't tell them about how the situation is here because you feel guilty. You, when you tell them here in Germany, you can go to the street, you can go to the park, you can go for a run, you can go to, for a walk. You feel like you're bragging about how is it the situation here. But
1: first, we geek out a little bit about our studio setups. Here is Marc
0: Soler. Yeah, for me, uh, we can start whenever whenever we want, you want or if we already started. <laughs> we, we already
1: start. We always start with the beginning, which is like saying chats and how bad the technical side of it all works. This is like one of the most professional uh, recording setups I think uh, we're doing so far. Mostly people are just recording from their phones or not even just like for, I'm just recording the, the phone call. Um, tell me a little bit about why, why do you have so many microphones and, and this whole radio setup of yours?
0: Well, um, I've always been interested in the, um, in the audiovisual aspect. Like I I was working uh, a long time ago as a photographer. And then every time you were taking pictures, they were asking you as well for video. So I, I learned how to edit video and all that. And, um, then when I moved to Berlin with my flight mate, we were having very long conversations and we always thought. That would be a, I mean, that would be a podcast. We could record each other and just play it out in a a very egocentrist manner, no? Um, So that idea started evolving. We had a small Zoom, like the, the smaller version. And then slowly and slowly we started buying more stuff just to have it a bit more professional. And that's why I have a couple of microphones. Tell me a bit about uh, the podcast. Well, the podcast started first as uh, my flight mate uh, telling me about a trip that he did to Nepal and all his meditation and why Buddhism was important and all that. That was interesting because he had never been a Buddhist before. His family was, but not him. And suddenly, out of nowhere, he goes to a trip, comes back and says, oh, I'm convinced again. I'm back to my, I don't know, my beginnings, I guess, or my family. And... Um, and then I was like, well, the, all these things that you learn there would be nice to, to record it. And uh, that's how it started. But now it evolved into conversations about um, basic income, about the new normality after the coronavirus, uh, immigration problems, uh, global health, uh, global economy. But every chapter is a little bit different. Uh, now we try to explain very hard like things. Uh, we, we call it now explaining a uh, complex world and the new the last iteration of the podcast is just trying to explain uh, things that you think you have an answer but that then you realize that they are way more complicated than what you think
1: you're you're saying you're you're talking about uh, the world after corona what are some of the things that you, that you guys have discussed or talked about
0: well uh, my friend Kelsang, uh, put it in a more uh, broader point of view. He compared it with the end of uh, like Middle, a- Middle Ages, I think it's called in English, like um, when uh, like, uh, the whole uh, Great Plague finished with feudalism and the world changed. And we got uh, into uh, professions changed, uh, started uh, to appear the, um, the bourgeoisie and all these things. So he was seeing it like now. We are changing things that we will not re- we, we don't realize the change until hundreds of years in the future. Whereas I was pointing out more tomorrow things like how the passports are going to work, how countries are going to start closing borders, how hard it will be to travel from one country to another. They will make you probably uh, blood tests. They will take your information from your phone like the GPS data and all these things, and just, I mean, uh, chatting around, trying to to figure out how the world will be after all this.
1: You and Kelsang are both guides uh, in Berlin, and that means that uh, you're both out of work at the moment. How, how does that feel? <laughs>
0: well, the first weeks, I mean, the week before everything shut down, I was really looking forward for it to shut down. Like... Um, I I was having I have a family in Spain. Uh, well all my family is from Spain and I was feeling that there the, th- the the situation was way worse and I was like why are we still working when we are basically talking in front of 30 people that we are putting them in danger us in danger I wanted everything to shut down so I would have like the I mean I, w- I would know what's the what's going on I don't have work and then we will figure it out. But then the first weeks started to roll in the quarantine and I started to feel a bit of anxiety, no? Like, uh, how is, is, there gonna be, is it going to make sense to be a tour guide after coronavirus? When will it be profitable to be a tour guide again, no? Especially like when the countries are going to be with the borders closed until, I don't know, probably the end of summer or things like that. It gave me a lot of anxiety for a while. Then I accepted it, uh, I've started to look for other jobs. I, as I edited video in the past, I found a couple of gigs about editing video for companies in Valencia that are still working. And that gave me a bit of peace of mind of like, well, just wait, we will see how it uh, resolves. And uh, I mean, this will be an amazing story to tell when everything passed.
1: You said your your family is in Spain. You're from Spain as well. Did you feel that you had, um, like that you were a bit ahead of the curve in terms of information, that that when you were talking to people in Berlin and other guides, that they were sort of lacking behind a little bit?
0: Um, yes and no. I had, in my circle of friends, I had people that was more informed than me. But uh, at the same time, uh, the, the the people the like other tour guides were not as as informed. I remember tour guides realizing the danger of the situation. The Friday before Sandemans, the the company we were at that time working for, was closing. Like they they were closing on Saturday, and that tour guide was realizing how difficult everything was going to be on uh, on the day before. No, so for some tour guides was a bit hard, uh, and especially in the streets. Like you, fourteenth uh, of March. Spain closes, everybody's in quarantine and you go out on the 15th of March around Berlin and you see everybody in the park, everybody in the streets, uh, the bars and the uh, restaurants are still open. So it really felt like a, a weird disconnection, no? like uh, uh, maybe in Spain are exaggerating. Maybe here in Germany, they are very smart and they figured it out or they are com- Who knows? Maybe it's completely the opposite. Maybe it's going to hit way harder in Germany. Um, The first weeks were a bit of like living in two worlds at the same time. The reality of Berlin and the reality of my family and my friends in, in Spain.
1: How is that? How is that now? Because if we were now a month uh, further, of course, we have a little bit more information. We are trying to figure out what the effects of lockdown are. Um, I, I imagine you're still in contact with your family in, in Spain. How, how do you compare these situations uh, between Berlin and Valencia, for example, um, a, a month after the quarantine came into effect?
0: Um there's two very uh, like points there first uh, they are now in the sixth week of quarantine they started today the sixth week of being closed at home and it is way harder there like they don't meet any friends they cannot go to the terrace of common terraces in the buildings for example so if you don't have a balcony you can just see the street or, or go to the street if you go shopping and um, it's especially hard for the kids because the adults at least can go shopping and come back But the kids cannot leave the houses. So for a lot of kids, a lot of students, it's five weeks being closed in the same house. If you don't have a a big house, if you don't have brothers, you don't have anybody to play with. It's a very weird uh, situation. And then as a Berliner, I don't don't tell them about how the situation is here because you feel guilty. You, when you tell them here in Germany, you can go to the street, you can go to the park, you can go for a run, you can go to for a walk, you feel like you're bragging about how is it the situation here. Uh, I remember posting a, a video a couple of, of um, uh, weeks ago and my aunt asking me, but hey, eh, Mark, why are you not keeping the distance with this guy? Why are not you meters apart? Are you breaking the rules? And I'm like, no, well, this is recorded before, but they have this feeling no, that... Uh, that, that, yeah, it's 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 inside of everybody right now that if you see two people too close to each other, it's dangerous or it's uh, they are doing something wrong.
1: Do you feel that one one way of doing things is better than the other? I mean, you said you felt slightly guilty because you're in Berlin and you still get to enjoy all of these things. Do you feel that one approach does work? Do you, do you feel, for example, that Berlin and the government and the way we're doing things here is too relaxed?
0: Um, I have no idea. I'm not an expert in the in the topic. I I'm not a biologist a or a, or a doctor. I I trust. I mean, I trust in Germany because of all the image that Germany has more than in the reality. Like none of my friends has been checked, but I assume that things are being done better here. When you check the numbers, the number of tests that are done by population, the number of uh, UCI, I think. Uh, no, how is it called in English? Intensive care units, I, I, ICU uh, units here in in Germany are higher than in Spain. So I guess they are more prepared for this. All the laboratories are here in Germany. Where in Spain we 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 hardly made any tests at the beginning. So I assume the situation is different because the country is taking more care. But who knows? Like I, I have no no idea, as as I'm not an expert on the on the topic. Did you did you consider going to Valencia? Um. No, during the pandemic, no, 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 no. I I have my life here. I I live with my girlfriend. We have an apartment for the two of us. So, like the situation was, uh, like I I didn't consider that. What I am considering is the moment that you open the borders, I will in, in or I will immediately fly to Barcelona or to Valencia where I have family just to see them to visit them, because mm, it's been very tough not to to see them to. To see how they are suffering and not being able to be there with with them.
1: Can you? Can you? You said it um, just a moment ago. You were talking about the world after Corona, and you were talking about your life as a guide. And you said there's a couple questions. Like for example, does it make sense to be a tour guide after this is all over? Why? Why? Why are you asking yourself that question? What What does that mean? Does it make sense
0: to be a tour guide? Um first the the most basic is for the income like will it be viable to be a tour guide in the next seven eight nine one year especially if you're focused on the spanish market as i am or like the spanish speaking market uh, with the frontiers closed no spanish people can come here and uh, how many people will be able to do it so that's that's one point. Second, it will depend on the restrictions no, that uh, the governments put on walking around the street with big groups um as a profession, I think it will not disappear. Tour guiding—it's uh, there's—it's—it's very—it's a, a big va- va- variety of, of possibilities with big groups, small groups, with uh, different approaches. So I think tour guiding in itself it makes sense. But the mass uh, tourism that we we had in the last two years, especially in Berlin, that was growing non-stop. I think it will be—it will change a lot. I don't know how, but it will change a lot.
1: Do you think that's um, a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, I've been speaking with guides also about just um, our profession as tour guides. And normally we don't really question so much exactly what we're doing. We're, we're guides, we get paid for it. The money is good enough for us to sustain ourselves, but yeah maybe now that this has happened um there's also questions in the background about what mass tourism actually means of course there's travel there is the environmental impact and of course it is the impact that tourism has on cities as well do you have any thoughts about like yeah what do you think about tourism and, and the way it has developed over the
0: last couple of years it is definitely a, a double edge uh, sword no like um uh, it 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 We we cannot negate that the way uh, that the way tourism affected Berlin and other cities is not a net positive or or um, (laughs) just positive. Like there's a lot of negative aspects of tourism, uh, especially in Berlin. In gentrification uh, would be the first aspect we would see it, but also in in as you said, uh, environmental issues and and the troubles and all and all that. it is a, a moral battle that i had for the especially the last two years no like thinking if there would be a better way of doing my work and uh, and i guess now it's the moment to to rethink it to uh, restart to see a different way of doing tourism no but at the same time you get sometimes in the think of elitism no if mass tourism is not allowed then tourism is just allowed to the higher classes and not the uh, the cheap i don't know the cheaper travelers or things like that it is a very complicated uh, issue and uh, um especially regarding gentrification I've, I've been studying it a lot how how it changed berlin i i have i don't have a proper answer but it's something that we should think now and maybe act now um that we have the opportunity yeah
1: I mean, this is it's of course not ju- just something in Berlin. I mean, I've I've got a good friend living in um, Valencia. I come to visit quite often. Um, there's a lot of Dutch people in Valencia <laughs> visiting. Lots of Dutch people on bikes, um, just cycling through the city. I mean, it's it's uh i i can understand like it's great people exploring the city and and um enjoying its culture and the food and all those kind of things i think they're very important but there's always this uh question of how many people can a city sort of sustain and also how many how many people how many tourists can come in before the local population is sort of driven out or um yeah is is finding it uncomfortable you know to have so many people around
0: yeah, I mean, picking up on what you said in Valencia, you know, I have a friend living in, in Ruzafa. It's a very trendy neighborhood in Valencia. It started to be like it was a really bad place to live 15 years ago. It was very poor, full of, of, of immigration and dangers, uh, like a very dark side of Valencia. But now it became the most trendy area. He was living there and downstairs he had a, a fruit uh, store. No, And um, he told me like, a year ago uh, the food store closed and they opened a biking uh, a, a bike renting place no he was like it's great to have bikes but i mean for me i i have my bike i wanted my fruit not my <laughs> bikes no for uh, for the tourists no uh, i guess um cities are changing a lot like the worst example probably is venice no where you never expect to find a teacher of mathematics of Venice or the uh, chef uh, of a small restaurant in Venice, you you look for the masks, you look for what you, uh, the image that you have of Venice, and not the reality of Venice. Veni- Venice became uh, 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 like a Disneyland, no, um, uh, an a pa- a amusement park more than a city that evolves.
1: Do you think Berlin is a bit of a, a Disney World?
0: Uh, not yet, but it could have become a Disney World or uh, some pa- areas of it or it, it was going in that direction. I think Venice is the extreme, but uh, we see it, yeah, in Barcelona, in Valencia, in Spain, in, in, in Madrid, sorry, a lot of uh, neighborhoods that used to have a lot of life, now they are just uh, full of uh, Airbnbs and apartments. And it's impossible to live in them. And at the end, they will die because they will not produce new culture. They live just of the culture of the past. And uh, we are exploiting the place instead of living in the place or uh, evolving the place, no? We're exploiting it until it disappears.
1: Are you, what does what, what your future look like? Do you intend to stay in Berlin? Will you remain a guide?
0: Um, I mean, I really enjoy the tour guiding job. Like uh, the last three years as a tour guide, have been probably the happiest years of my life. Uh, As a tour guide, I always say that there's never bad days. There's just good days and very, very good days. Uh, I would not change tour guiding for almost any job. Um, So I will try to keep being a tour guide. But at the same time, um, we'll see in a couple of months when everything starts to open, we'll see how the economy goes and if maybe makes sense to, to support yourself through another way and tour guiding as a side. Because I, I assume also the competition is going to be uh, uh, ferrous. Like a lot of people is going to, all the tour guides that used to work as a tour guide will want to come back as a tour guides. So I guess the, the, the size of the pie is going to be smaller. So I don't know how this will be, but I, I assume it will not be possible to to live as we lived at least for the next year and a half. Well, Mark, uh,
1: thank you so much for, for talking to me. I really appreciate you you're taking the time and uh, yeah, just expressing how you feel about the current situation. Um, I really hope that we can, so to speak, in the future again, maybe like in a couple of weeks or months, and see where your head's, uh, heads at, if you're doing something completely different, or if uh, we've all become very optimistic all of a sudden about our lives as tour guides again.
0: Perfect. Thank you very much, and uh,
1: well, hope to talk to you soon. Mark Soler, everybody, with some very solid points on the impact tourism has on cities. I think it's safe to assume that we, the guides, we absolutely love Berlin. We came from all over the world to make Berlin our home and be part of the development of this city. But when we cater to tourists, in whatever way make it attractive for them to travel to Berlin, we inevitably change our city too. Pondering on what we want that change to be, is, I think, an indispensable part of what it means to be a guide. Especially now we find ourselves indefinitely on hold in the low season. It is definitely a a
0: double-edged
1: sword, no? Listeners of the podcast, I hope you're having a good time. There will be plenty more conversations with some of the most beloved and well-seasoned tour guides in our city, but I'm also starting to warm to the idea a little bit of opening the show in its format to guides from other places than Berlin. The fact that global tourism is effectively on ice at the moment means that there is thousands of guides sitting on the couch meticulously folding their laundry and just like many of you, pondering on what their future will look like. So here's how you can help. If you know of guides in exciting places with good stories to tell, preferably from all walks of life, ages and backgrounds, shoot me a message at thelowseasonpodcast at gmail.com. I think there is potential of creating one hell of a show. The Low Season is produced by me, Wouter Bernhardt. Music is by Mark Schilders. Artwork by Sergio Mabrias. Georgia Ryungu is secretly training an army of Triffits to be released upon the longest day of the year. Tomorrow, we're back to chat to Izzy Choksi.
0: The difficult part was was on my side, um, letting go. Of the thought that I'm going to get a whole lot of stuff done in this time.
1: Speak so, my friends.
0: And uh, we are exploiting the place instead of living in the place or uh, evolving the place no we're exploiting it until it disappears